0: G'day. I'm Cam Buchanan from Mount Gambier, Australia, and this is Devotions in the Deep End. If you haven't already, can I encourage you to listen to episode 75? This provides some background which will help you to better understand the setting that this episode speaks to. If you've done that already, great. Grab a coffee, open your Bible to Luke chapter 10, and we will get started in just a few moments. Let's read a well-known parable in verses 30 to 37, bearing in mind it is an answer to the question of a religious expert. That question is, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This parable is, in my opinion, a work of art. It is one of those stories that intentionally creates an emotional roller coaster for those who Jesus was speaking to and everybody listening would be able to follow the highs and lows really easily. It would play with the listeners' emotions, and it would blow their minds with the punchline. The setting is a foreboding one that some of us could relate to. If you have a street in your neighborhood where you wouldn't walk alone at night, then you will catch the gravity of the story well. A man is walking, apparently by himself, down the highway from Jerusalem to Jericho. We will learn a bit about the culture of Jericho a little later in the journey, but at this time, I can tell you that the Jericho Road was pretty notorious. It was 17 miles of rocky, windy, hazardous, and isolated road, and it wasn't uncommon to hear of robberies and assaults to occur out there. So when Jesus opens the story like he does, hey guys, you know that road that goes from Jerusalem to Jericho? One day a man walked alone down there and got robbed and beaten by bandits and left for dead? The crowd would cynically nod along, knowing this to be a regular occurrence. There'd be concerns for the safety of the person, but a bit of judgment as well. What a foolish person to think they could do that. But now that we have a victim, we now need to consider who's going to help the guy out there. And in this parable, potential help seems to be coming. The story continues. A priest has also come out of Jerusalem, and he's going the same way. If he's coming down from Jerusalem, the implication is that he's likely been involved in the sacrifices in the temple. He has been in a place of deep reflection and repentance as he stands before God and intercedes for himself and his people. This would be a spiritually high point for him, a time of deep encounter. The expert in the law who triggered this parable is listening intently, as is the crowd as they get ready to celebrate the man's rescue. But their hopes are dashed. The priest crosses the road and keeps going. It's not a big road here. The victim is not unnoticed. The priest clearly has no interest in extending mercy. But perhaps the next guy will fare better. The man is still alive when a Levite comes along. The Levites were the priestly tribe of Israel. And the difference between the two men in this instance is that one was on duty for sacrifice, while the other was on the roster for the temple, but in less direct roles. In a positive sense, he should have been in a similar mindset to the priest, and sadly he is, in the negative way. The Levite shows no mercy and keeps on walking. The crowd would be feeling hopeless for this victim now. Now, some have tried to defend the priest and the Levite for their inaction. They make the case that if the man appeared dead, then they would become ceremonially unclean, and this would render them unqualified for service in Jerusalem. So for the sake of the greater good, their actions may be excused. But the point is, they are coming from Jerusalem. They've literally just come from worship. They've done what they needed to do with their ritual cleanness. The time was now for these godly men to get their hands dirty once again. And extending mercy is at times a dirty job. But then the story takes a potentially sinister turn. After the priest and after the Levite comes a Samaritan. The expert cringes and the crowd braces for the impact of a man who is likely going to kick a dying Jew while he's down. But that's not what happens. Jesus throws a massive parabolic curveball. The Samaritan stops and looks at the guy. But unlike the others, he takes pity. And he falls over himself to ensure the victim recovers. He sanitizes and seals the wounds with oil and wine. He tears his own clothes to make bandages and walks on foot in rough conditions while the victim rides his donkey. He invests. He makes himself vulnerable. He goes out of his way to ensure the safety of the one who was broken and bruised and left for dead on the road. He even puts him up in a hotel and leaves his proverbial credit card at the counter for the man's needs. The audience would have no idea how to react to all this. Should they cheer? Should they be happy? Or should they be even sad? The rabbis of the time taught that neighbours were only their fellow countrymen, provided they were on the same religious page. Anybody outside of that were not. And this had some extreme expressions at times. For example, if a Roman soldier was found wounded on the road, it was deemed okay to walk by and let him bleed. Similarly, the Samaritans were considered dogs by the Jews. There was hatred between both people groups, and I outlined this in episode 75. It was inconceivable that someone like that would behave in a neighborly fashion, the way Jesus describes it. Yet, when presented with such a scenario, Jesus poses a confronting hypothetical question to his audience. Who is the neighbor here? The scholar, the expert, reluctantly acknowledges it was the one who displayed mercy. He can't even say the word Samaritan here. Putting them in the good neighbor category, even in theory, was just too confronting for him. Jesus then says, that's what God meant when he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Go and do that. Now, let's reflect a little on this in a way that challenges our call to love our neighbor. The victim in this parable is on the road from Jerusalem. This is known in scripture as the place of God's presence. But he is then taking the treacherous downward winding road to Jericho. And this is known in the Old Testament as a place of sin and God's judgment. Along the way, he's been robbed and left for dead, right in keeping with the job description of Satan, stealing, killing, destroying. After this, we have a priest and a Levite, two bright shining examples in Missing the Point. They have both done time in Jerusalem too. The priest has done all the ceremonial and sacrificial things, and the Levite has done other worship-based things. But neither of their experiences have inspired them to stop and meet the simple need of a downtrodden man on the proverbial Jericho road. Jesus quotes Hosea 6, verse 6 a few times in the Gospels I desire mercy, not sacrifice. These godly people had the chance to extend something that their worship should have given them a revelation of. The sacrificial system was one that reminded them of God's mercy and it should have triggered a response of mercy towards others as a direct result. You love God, who has extended mercy to you, and you love your neighbor, with mercy being a key part of that expression. The priest and the Levite failed to make that connection. It's highly likely that the Samaritan has come the same way. If this is the case, he may have visited the outskirts of the temple, because that's as far as he's allowed to go. There is only so far he can go in proximity to the most holy place of the temple. It's barely in sight for him. But evidently, it's enough. He leaves Jerusalem, potentially in a spiritually full state. And when he sees the victim, he stops and he tends. He doesn't have ceremony or legalism. He only has oil and wine to dress the wounds. It's interesting to note that both these things are used to describe the Holy Spirit and the presence of God in the Old Testament. Not only that... Everything he has is made available for the use of the victim to ensure his recovery. So friend, let me ask a confronting question. When we do time in our own figurative Jerusalem, what do we expect to get out of that? Do we merely tick boxes of ritual, of attendance, of service, or even performance? Do we get our fill of a curated religious experience that feels somewhat therapeutic to us without it having any eventual impact on our neighbors? Or do we seek to be restocked and replenished for a purpose? Do we look for oil and wine? Do we look for mercy? Do we actively seek all the things we need in the event that we need to help a neighbor in a hurry? Also, do we have a good definition of the word neighbor? The Jews limited it to those of the same nation and religion. If that were the case today, loving our neighbors would be relatively easy although there can be some challenges with that at times. But Jesus is calling for something deeper than that. Our neighbors need to extend to those who are in need of mercy. It should include widows and orphans. It should include the poor and the needy. It should include the prisoner and the infirmed. It should include the foreigner, especially the refugee. Spiritually, we have what they need. Physically, we usually do too. And in our modern Western context, even those next door to us can be a little aloof from us at times as well. Our city properties can be heavily gated and we can shut ourselves away from everyone after a long day of work and commute. Perhaps there's a challenge for us to open our hearts and our homes a little more for those in our immediate proximity. Friend, can I challenge you to enlarge your borders and definitions? Look to extend love to all that Jesus puts in our path and be an active agent of the mercy that we already know well. Take what you receive in your Jerusalem moments and use it to all who need it on the Jericho Road. In this way, you will be loving your neighbors in the way Jesus had in mind. Thanks for tuning in. To stay in touch, like our Devotions in the Deep End Facebook page and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, be sure to put up a rating and even a comment if your platform allows for it, as this will help others know what to expect. I look forward to catching up next time.